Hey, this is Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. This is a special episode where we're going to look at my new book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. This is the first part of an 18-part series. We're going to delve into a deep understanding of community from a biblical point of view and from the practical point of view that I don't really like to be with other people. Community's tough. People sin against you. You get hurt. But we become more human through relationships. Join me if you want to grow in your understanding of what it means to abide with others. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken. dreams with you. Well, I have to tell you, I am really excited about this venture. I spent a lot of time writing a book, my first book, hopefully of uh, many. Well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. First book. Uh, you know, I've written for newspapers and I've written for blogs and articles for magazines, but this is the first time I've been able to just sit down and really write my heart about theology and, uh, you know, theology can be very boring, so I didn't want to write a book like that. I wanted to write something that's close to my heart, that's practical for pastors and ministers, and just for anyone uh, in the church, any believers or even non-believers who want to understand uh, the importance of community from a scriptural perspective, but also just can understand it from a very relational, non-legalistic way. Often when we write about theology, it can become this to-do list, or more importantly, it can become a list of things we're not doing right. Uh, just, you know, you need to be in church, and you need to be around other Christians, and what's wrong with you? Uh, Jesus is looking down upon you now, uh, so I'm sure glad you listened to this podcast. You can get that kind of feel. I didn't want that to be the feel. So what I'm doing here is I have a book uh, that was released, and uh, I'd love for you to pick it up, and you can get it through my website at fairlyspiritual.org, and if you order it through the website, I will personally sign a copy and send it to you, or you can get it through amazon.com and other ways. Uh, but I'm going to go through each chapter through this podcast, and uh, the chapters in the podcast, <clears throat> I'll be dealing with it in a different way. So in this podcast, I'll be dealing with stuff that I'm not dealing with in the book, and in the book, I'll deal with stuff I don't deal with in the podcast. I just kind of want to overwhelm you with information about community. And the goal of this is to get you thinking about your faith and about uh, the faith of others outside of an individualistic perspective. Because in this Western world, if we're going to be honest, we really do think in individualistic terms. It's just the nature of our Western world. Uh, so 18 parts might seem a little overwhelming. This isn't to just, I don't know, beat you down with community. But what I'm doing is I'm going to go over each chapter of the book 
so that someone who's reading the book can have a, a supplementary material. So you could listen to the podcast and you could also read a chapter in the book or you could just do the book, you could just do the podcast. It's just different ways to facilitate a discussion on community. But again, uh, there'll be different content. Some of it will be the same. Some of it will be uh, different. I'm not just going to read the book here. There's an audio book out. Uh, you could do that and listen to that. By the way, uh, man, you, you know when you get tired of your own writing is trying to read it out loud in a form that doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, <laughs> doing an audiobook was quite the ordeal. I made it through, but uh, man, it's different writing words versus trying to say them out loud. But we'll be looking at things like uh, community as in a, a utopia versus the reality of community. We'll look at community when it comes to salvation, to discipleship, to... Um, even the dark side of community, why if you've been abused, uh, spiritual abuse, physical sexual abuse, why it's very difficult for people to be in community and why it's very important to honor people's boundaries and why we don't have a right to judge people for why they might want to isolate. I'll talk about the fact that I don't like people. Uh, <laughs> people sometimes will go, what do you mean? Well, I, I, don't, I don't really want to have more friendships or relationships. I mean, I like people. But I'm not looking for more friendships or relationships because what I've found, and maybe you've found this as well, I've found that people hurt you. People have the ability to hurt you. Well, look at the fact that just as sin can affect the individual, sin can affect communities. And there's healing in communities and there's restoration in communities, but there's a whole lot of hurt in community as well. So my first inclination is to isolate. So. I wrote this book and I'm doing this series not as an accusation like you need to be like me you know I just do it so well why don't you be like me I'm I'm joining you in your own struggles I really struggle with being in community my nature is just to want to isolate and go off and be with maybe a couple safe people be with my wife and my kids and and just be in that little world but I know that God has called me to an expression of the kingdom that is bigger than my comfort zone. And so we'll look at these things from a scriptural point of view, and then we'll see how to apply this to our life. Because what I'm seeing in our culture right now is uh, we're becoming more and more dissatisfied with community than ever before. And that's where I'd like to start. Uh, we have this idea of community that is very utopian. This idea that we just need to facilitate, if we could just facilitate the perfect community, then we'd be okay. And we have greater and greater expectations of what that utopia is. But I don't know, in fact, I, I do know this, I don't believe that we can ever reach that utopia this side of heaven. In fact, utopia is not a place. It's a place that does not exist. And yet many of us have a conception of community, of this is how Christians should be as a church, this is how they should be as a family, this is how a marriage should be, and so we measure our lives against a utopia, and what happens? We fall short of it, and we get dissatisfied, and we leave our relationships, or we're just disgruntled. We're disgruntled with our marriages, we're disgruntled with our family, we're disgruntled with our friendships, we're disgruntled with churches. And we're lamenting the fact that the church and communities are not what we want them to be. If you look at the world right now, we have more options than ever before, more church options than ever before. 
but we're just as dissatisfied or frankly more dissatisfied than ever before. Now, I'm a pastor. I pastor Evergreen Foursquare Church in Auburn, Washington, and it's a mega church of about 100 people. It's, it's one of those churches. You know, 90% of churches are 200 people or less. Uh, the majority of churches are just simple churches like this. And I know some people would say, well, why should I listen to you? You, you know, you just have this tiny church. Well, if you're like that, I don't know, go, go to another big conference and you can listen to those guys. But I think the reality is most churches, you're just trying to facilitate a community and gather a few people together and learn how to love Jesus. And I didn't have any big grand plans of you know, building a mega church or something, but I did have some naive notions of what the church is supposed to be or what the church would be when I became a pastor. And I thought, you know, if I just am nice to people and if I just, you know, if I'm not a jerk and I don't do kind of the manipulative things that I saw others, other pastors do and we facilitate a safe environment and a loving environment, we're not controlling, that we'll be able to grow a pretty healthy church and there won't be that much conflict. That, that was my naive self. And I remember one of my first interactions uh, that just kind of change that perspective. I was meeting in my office, which I no longer have. We had this office in this church that we were renting, and I was behind this big, abnormally large wooden desk. There was no need for that desk. It's no longer in that office. And and there was a couple sitting across from me, and their kids had been involved in various scuffles throughout the church. And, and not that many within the church, but it was a common dialogue between myself and this couple that they would talk about their children being involved in conflict with other people. There was conflict where they lived. There was conflict in the schools. And the conversation was always about other people, like a teacher who treated their kids poorly or a neighbor who treated their kids poorly or someone else who treated their kids poorly. You can kind of see where I'm going with this, that they were kind of always complaining that there were other people causing their children problems and there wouldn't be a conflict if people just treated their kids better. But for some reason, there seemed to be conflict wherever their children went. You see where I'm going? That wherever their children went or wherever their children were involved in things, there were conflicts. But the parents kept blaming other people for the conflicts. And these aren't like two-year-olds and three-year-olds. These are older kids. These are kids that are in their teenage years. Well, finally, uh, they were upset with something that was going on in uh, ministry in the church, and it wasn't a, a big deal, but there was something they were upset with a teacher or something. I don't, I don't even remember what they were upset with. I'm not trying to be flippant, but there was something they were complaining about. And I, and I loved this couple. I, I wasn't angry at them. I wasn't disinterested in their lives. But I'd come to a point where I thought, you know, we need to have a discussion. And I, and I thought I had the right to speak into their lives. We had, we'd spent a bit of time together. We had we had built a relationship. I had demonstrated love through different things, and I, I felt like they had demonstrated love to me as well. And so I brought them into my office, and and we sat there, and they sat on the other side of this big wooden desk, and, and I said, uh, do, do you consider me your pastor? And, and by the way, this was after other discussions, so I didn't just start it in this dramatic tone, but I said, do you consider me your pastor? And uh, they said, yes. And I said, would you like my opinion? And they said, yes. And then in you know, all the authoritative controlling power uh, that a pastor could have, I said, you know, in my opinion, 
this problem might be less about the teacher and more just about your children. That, that was it. I think I might have said, you know, your children. I, I think there's something going on with the way they're behaving. That was the extent of it. It, it was that strong in this tone, maybe even a lighter tone. And uh, the woman got really upset. Her face turned red, and she stood up. I don't remember if she slammed her hand on the desk, but she said, I don't have to take this anymore, or I don't have to take this. And she stormed out of the room and slammed the door behind her. And then her husband, who was there, looked at me in a disapproving fashion, got up, and followed her outside of the room. And I was left there just stunned, like, what, what has just happened? I, mean, I, I was like, I've, I've done all the right stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a good pastor. I'm loving. I'm caring. I don't, I don't do harsh discipline to people. I allow conversations here. I'm, I'm going to facilitate a conversation. I don't even mind if they disagree with me. But, but literally, my, this is my first big attempt to kind of interact with someone in a place of controversy in our church. And they leave the room and slam the door. And I immediately started crying. And uh, I just realized that I have no idea how to pastor. Like, I have no idea what I've just gotten into. I don't know how to do this. That I had all these ideas that if you just do things right, uh, you can facilitate a church where there's not going to be this kind of conflict. And I realized I don't know how to run a church. Or what I re realized, actually, is that no matter how I run this church, I'm going to face conflict and hurt and pain. That there's going to be real pain in community. And, and that's one of the things that I, I don't think we, we want to deal with enough. That there's real pain we're going to face in community, no matter how you structure things. You can't avoid it. So I had to go on a journey of how am I going to exist as a pastor with this reality that no matter how I structure things, whether I do things really well or really poorly, I am going to face pain. Now, I know people listening, you go, well, of course you're going to face pain, Doug. There's no way to avoid that. Uh, did you think you were somehow better than anyone else? We, we know, I, I certainly, by the way, I know that I'm not Christ or the Apostle Paul or Peter or the disciples or any of the martyrs, but <clears throat> everyone faces pain, right? Everyone faces persecution. So even if you're doing things right, you're going to face persecution. There's no way to get out of this life alive without facing conflict, severe hardships and heartaches. But what I came to and, and why I wrote The Community of God and why I'm doing this series is I think we must understand why community is important because if we go just by how we feel or if we go just by the interactions that we have, we will not gather together as communities. Because I'll tell you this, no matter how you structure your life, you will face pain in relationships. It's like that in marriage. People will say, oh man, this pastor, you got to help me with my marriage. It's just now, things are really tough. By the way, people seldom say, you got to help me with your marriage. Usually, they only do that when everything's just falling apart and they're ready to, to divorce, then they're like, you know, help me out. But people do complain about marriage, and they'll say, yeah, it's really tough, and they'll explain about how tough marriage is. And I'll say, yes, that's what marriage is. That's the definition of marriage. Or 
They'll complain about how hard parenting is. And you'll say, yes, that's the definition of parenting or about trouble with a friend. And you'll say, that's what it means to be with a friend. Or they'll complain about their kids in the public schools and what's going wrong and what's wrong with the teacher and, and what they don't like about the administration. You'll say, that's what it means to be in the public schools. What we don't understand is to be in community is going to cause us conflict. But sometimes we have this utopian escapism kind of mentality. And when we go by feelings, we just isolate. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. If pastoring is someone slamming the door and leaving me when I just want to try to have an interaction, I'm not going to do this. I'm not cut out for this. If marriage is this kind of conflict, I'm just not going to be married. If, if, if parenting is this kind of reality, I'm, I'm just going to leave it till you know, I'll have my spouse do this. Or, or if this friendship is going to be this painful, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to pull my kids out of that school. Or I'm just going to you know, boycott this thing or, or you know, protest that thing or do whatever I have to do not to abide in the messiness of relationship. I bring this up because we have to understand that relationships are messy. Now, we understand that relationships are messy, but we must understand this, that we are called into community. And that's what I believe, and, and this whole series is going to contend for this, that we are called to contend for community. And if we don't have a theological understanding that as Christians, we are called to actively participate in and facilitate healthy, vibrant communities, we won't do it. If you abide in community just based on it meeting your needs, you won't do it. You won't because there's too much pain in it. If we do things just based on how it feels good to me or how it helps me, we won't do it. And we are in an individualistic culture right now, an increasingly individualistic culture that describes meaning and purpose based on individual fulfillment. What's in it for me? How am I satisfied? Are my needs being met? Are my interests being addressed? But that's not the kind of community that God has called us to facilitate. Now, I, I say these things, and it's easy to say these things, but it is so hard to live within the complexities of community. We live in such an individualistic world that I don't even think we challenge all of our individualistic biases. The reality is scripture from beginning to end is written as much to the community as it is to the individual. We live in a world where we start first with the individual and then we go to the community. In the coming shows, we're going to delve into that myth that God never says, first deal with yourself, Doug, and then deal with the larger community. It's always both. It's always the community and the individual. It's always us. It's always us. God never just sees me in isolation. He always sees me in relationship. I was formed in and through community, and so were you. We are formed in and through community. In fact, as humans, as, as human beings, we do not exist outside of community. And every single aspect of the Christian life has a community reality that is just or more important as the individual reality. 
We're going to look at, in the coming shows, the issues of salvation. When we talk about salvation in the modern era, we almost always just talk about individual salvation, my individual sins, right? I'm fallen short of the glory of God. There's separation between me and God, and so God has removed my sins and saved me. That's true. But there is a community reality to salvation that is just as important. In fact, when we talk about salvation, what do we talk about? Well, Abraham was saved by faith, right? Well, what, what did Abraham have faith in? Abraham had faith in a community promise that Abraham would be made into a people that would bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. We're going to delve into that issue, that salvation is not just about your individual restoration, but salvation is about making you into a people. Once we are saved, when we talk about spiritual growth, we talk about it in terms of individual purposes. We say, you know why you need to go to church? So that you can grow, and so that you can do better in your marriage, and you can do better in your life, and sometimes so you can have a better car, and you can have a better house, and you can feel better about your life. The Bible does not talk about discipleship in individualistic terms. Discipleship is about us, so that we, as the family of God, can grow together, so that we can bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. Jesus discipled in and through community. It wasn't one person. It was a group of disciples. It was never about one person. Jesus didn't minister alone. He ministered with a group. We'll talk about that. The disciples didn't minister alone. They went out by twos, never one. Most of the church is led by one pastor, we send people out as lone leaders. The Bible has no model of that in the New Testament era. In the New Testament era, it's pairs of ministers. It's two by two, and those two go out in groups. Individuals are grafted into communities, and those communities change the world. The scripture itself is written to communities and shed or are spread between communities. From salvation to discipleship, spiritual gifts. You ever, when we talk about, you know, even spirit-filled living or, or being full of the Holy Spirit, what, what do people talk about in the modern era? We say, what's my spiritual gift and how do my spiritual gifts express themselves? The Bible never talks about spiritual gifts in terms of individualism except for when it's negative. Paul talks about the negative implications of using your spiritual gifts for your own selfish purposes where you don't value the larger body of Christ. But instead, Paul says the reason you've been given spiritual gifts is for the purpose of the body of Christ. In fact, he says that we are part of the body of Christ. We're hands and feet and the mouth and the ears. None of us are the full expression of the body of Christ. So we gather together so that we can see the full expression of the body of Christ rise up in our midst. And so every expression of every spiritual gift or spiritual inclination is an expression that values the larger body of Christ because these expressions individually have no meaning outside of the larger body. Almost every single expression in Scripture has a community implication. We don't go to church or facilitate Christian community for our benefit, for us, for me. It's always for everyone. If we don't get this into our heart, we're not going to abide in complex, messy situations. We're going to look at in the coming weeks the reality of how sin divides us, how sin divides relationship between us and God, 
how sin divides relationship between brother and sister. We'll look at that in Scripture, how, how sin not only does that, but sin divides nations, and sin polarizes us and makes us uh, see people in terms of us and them. Even how sin makes us a partisan nation where our goal is not to speak and communicate in reconciling ways, but to speak in devouring ways. And we'll look at ways to facilitate environments where we can grow together and be an expression of the community of God, because God is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This book is called The Community of God, uh, Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, for a couple of reasons. One, the community of God, because God is community. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one God. And I'm not saying God is many gods. God is one God. That's what the Scripture says. But God is also three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is relationship. God is community. So for us to understand the community, the love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father and the Father and the Spirit and the Spirit and the Father and the Spirit and the Son and the Son and the Spirit and the Spirit and the Father, all those that relational existence of our triune God, for us to enter into that and to understand that God created the gift of community for us so that we could be one as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. And that through the cross, we have been grafted into, are brought into that oneness so that we could share in the fellowship of our triune God. Community is an expression of God on earth. We can't express the fullness of God in isolation. God cannot be expressed just by one of us. He has to be expressed by us together, where two or more are gathered. He is in our midst. Not just, he's not just in our midst as in he's in us and with us, but that people can't fully see God just by one individual. We see a better expression of God when two or more are gathered. So I titled this book, The Community of God. Because for us to be whole as humans, to be fully human, we must understand the community of God, and, and the way we understand that community is through abiding in community on earth. And the subheading for that is a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor. So we will go through scripture in detail. We'll go through Adam and Eve and, and the downfall and the collapse of relationship, and we'll look at Cain and Abel and the collapse there, and we'll look at the Tower of Babel, and, and we'll go through that. We'll also go through the restoration, and we'll go through Pentecost, and and through the resurrection and ascension, and we'll look at Old Testament and New Testament and all kinds of theological passages and, and look at passages that we maybe have looked at from an individualistic perspective and see their community implications. So we will delve into some theology because we should believe things based on Scripture. Because if this world's going to be individualistic, we need to know what the Bible says regardless. Regardless of what the world does, we need to facilitate biblical community. Whether the world accepts or rejects what we facilitate, it should be biblical, right? Maybe they'll accept it. Maybe they'll reject it. People rejected Jesus, but Jesus still did the Father's will. We're supposed to still present Jesus, whether or not people accept or reject Jesus. So our communities should express Jesus, whether or not people accept or reject it. If we do not know what biblical community is, we will present something else, and people might accept it. It might even grow a church, 
but it will not be an expression of Christ Jesus in our midst. So we'll look at a biblical understanding of community and the church. But I put a community of God, a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor, and I put reluctant there for a reason. I'm coming on this journey with you. I don't have all the answers. I've got lots of questions. I'm an introvert. I'm dyslexic. I struggle with relationships. I'm easily hurt. Uh, You know, talking during a podcast like this, I'll say stuff and I'll go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Why did I say that? You know, I just, I do that. I, I, I have insecurities. I have doubts. I have fears. There's times that I want to run away from community. I'm struggling with this as many of you are struggling with this. But I think it's important to deal with. The church cannot move forward with a bunch of isolated individuals. We have to find a way to gather together. It's crucial. So my hope is as I share my heart with you, and you process these things as well, together we'll have a deeper understanding of who God is in our midst in community, and it will help all of us to abide better together than in isolation. In our next show, we're going to look at chapter two of the community of God, a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor. We're going to look at this title, What is Wrong with the Church? There's a lot wrong with the church. In fact, there's a whole industry built upon this very problem. All right, I'll see you then. Hey, thanks for listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show, and thanks to my brother Dan Bursch for the theme music. You can pick up his music on iTunes. If you'd like to know more about what I do, please come to my website. It's fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. You can find all kinds of stuff there, blogs and podcasts, and even a link on how to buy my book, Autographed. I don't know if it goes up in value or down in value if autographed, but nonetheless, go to fairlyspiritual.org and have a great day. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you've spoken by your word, your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my dreams with you.